As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, everybody working up. Everybody's working. With that time, Jersey. It hit me today that, statistically speaking, roughly, nay, exactly, 50% of the AFC West is completely on fire. That's just sort of the vibe of the division right now. And then it was pointed out to me that the on-fire half of the AFC West is how the Chiefs are concluding their regular season. We have two more regular season football games left and the Chiefs get to play a team that just fired their head coach, and then a team that just fired their quarterback. Oh, It's been a weird one around the NFL, uh, so I'm sure it will also be a weird one here on this edition of Times Ours. No Seth Kaiser today. Myself, Joshua Briscoe, and Nate Taylor with you, however. Nate, uh, first of all, hope you had a wonderful holiday. I hope you had Christmas was great. I hope that the new yeah. year is looking bright and shiny in the Taylor household. Yeah, New Year's is going to be uh, quite a time. Um, Holly does a, an amazing charcuterie board. Uh, so looking forward to that and, uh, and champagne. And then what time I got to wake up to watch Chiefs Broncos? Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, God, what a turnaround. It's, um, you know, as you get older, you appreciate the times when you are uh, allowed to see the ball drop, um, mm-hmm. which is different, you know, growing up when you're like, how long can I finagle my way to stay up later and later and later? My parents yeah. don't realize this. Um, oh, yeah. it's midnight. I'm sorry. Oh, wow. Crazy. Let's turn <laughs> the TV. I, should I have been in bed? What? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. We don't have school tomorrow. Come on. It's all good. Give me more of that sparkling. Uh, <laughs> that sparkling Welch's. Is, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. My give cup. Me, give me, uh, uh, excuse me, sir. It's the new year, and I would like more in my cup. Um, so that'll be great. Um, I kind of feel sorry for the players because, like, they can't really celebrate. Uh, because I got to play a football game the next day. Um, I guess I'll watch the college football playoff. I mean, I guess I'll be hyped when they when they show pictures of the Rose Bowl. But no, um, I'm I'm super duper looking forward to this weekend. I hope your Christmas was great. Um. Yeah, man, it's, uh, you know, this was back in the olden days, kids, which means two years ago, Uh, (laughs) (laughs) back in the olden days, uh, this was basically Black Monday was New Year's Day. It was like, you could just circle the calendar and say, 
who is unfortunately going to lose their job because their team was underwhelming or disappointing or just fraught with a myriad of issues. Um, and yeah, I had not thought about it that way that the Chiefs finished with a Broncos team that, um, I mean, has a skeleton crew of a coaching staff and a Raiders team that wants to get a look at Jared Stidham. Th- that might okay. be the best spot for us to spend an hour. Like, it's okay. just say, hey, this time's ours is just about what we are, what we see from the Broncos and Raiders because we could do that. Yeah, for sure. And <sighs> it feels Marcus Mariota cool, man. But hey, maybe Jared Stidham will 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 show something. Um, if it was Desmond Ritter, or if it was Malik Willis, or if you're the Titans, bleep Malik Willis. It's Josh Dobbs time. <laughs> he was on the the Lions practice squad eight days ago. <laughs> what do you like on the play sheet, Josh? <laughs> what do you <laughs> yeah. What do you like on this on the sheet? <laughs> uh, by the way, this is not a like. It's not. I guess it is a promotion. I am not affiliated with HBO. They are not paying me. God, Josh, they get me every week. It's not hard knocks. They get me every week. <laughs> I knew the, I knew the outcome. I knew that this is literally a season from hell for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah. In detail, in picture, in technicolor. And I was like, come on. Just come on. Like, just, I don't know. It's fun being a father. Um... And, like, kind of getting some perspective of, like, how other parents watch their grown children play football. Um, mm-hmm. Man, we was living and dying on McSorley. And, uh, oh, oh, oh. Uh, which, by the way. Um, horrible way to live your life. If anybody has HBO Max or chooses to watch <laughs> Heart Knocks the way I have chosen to do that this season. Um, hey. Every now and then, you get a Vance Joseph uh, defensive meeting room uh, work, and it's like, "Hey, there's Ben Neiman. How's he doing?" <laughs> Looks yeah. at his face. Yep, they're 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 below a 500 team. Yeah. Uh, yep. Hey, it's been cool to see Antonio Hamilton. Uh, you know, continue his career. Uh, he was a he was a storyline in this past mm-hmm. week's episode. That tells you all you need to know about the Arizona Cardinals season. The course, best press they've gotten in six months is J.J. Watt retiring and saying, yeah. I can't do this bleep for these guys anymore. Yeah. Uh, his look in the locker room after they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime was a look of a man saying, I'm getting too damn old for this. Yep. Because <laughs> he was honestly great in the game. Um, but, you know. Tom Brady's like, why would I give you three seconds? Why? Why would I could just pass in 1.8? Um, so yeah, like for the Chiefs standpoint, the best thing about them is their season is not in hell. Uh, they are pretty much fully healthy. Um, by the way, Josh, spoiler, uh, I saw Clyde Edwards Alaire today in the facility. Oh, really? For like the first time in a month. So yeah. He is working himself back um, to potentially being at least a part of the active roster for the postseason. I don't know what his role will be necessarily. Um, yeah, Kadarius Tony looks to be healthy, so that's a good thing. Like, he's playing didn't, consecutive you games. You didn't see McCall Hartman out there today, right? That's what I was seeing. 
Yes, we did not see McCole Hartman. Now, that could be um, a number of things. Sure. You know, Andy basically said that he would play Sunday against the Broncos if he did not have a setback. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if today's a setback. We're going to probably learn more um, on Friday whether or not he is on the practice field. Uh, of course, there's been an illness going on throughout the team. So today, Prince Tega, uh, Nuanga didn't practice. Uh, you know, there's been guys on the defensive line, Colin Saunders, Chris Jones, Mike Dana. So because he's not on the active roster, him being McCall Hartman, they don't have to put a designation as to why he was right. not participating on his, on on the field with his teammates. So it could be an illness. It could be, um, hey, this part of his sort of ramping up doesn't include on-field work, and we'll get him back out there Friday. Who the hell knows? Um, but, yeah, they're, they're a relatively healthy team. Um, and even if McColl doesn't play on Sunday, like, I don't think it's, like, a huge deal. Like, a setback setback is if, like, he's not available for the season finale against the Jarrett Stidham-led Las Vegas Raiders. Um I just so, want him to be in good shape by playoff time. That's my yeah. only concern on that front. Which, another incentive as to why you should try to get the one seed. Yeah, if, no kidding. If if the Cincinnati Bengals beat the Buffalo Bills on Monday night. The but, Chiefs' biggest game of the weekend does not involve them. Think about that. Yep. Pretty much. Pretty much. So, you know, um, I guess Randy Gregory's playing, right? I mean, he threw a punch and can still be on the field the next week, Sunday. I guess we learned that today. Or this oh week, goodness. I should say. <laughs> it's a it's a heck of a team over there. And the good news is that uh, we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on that. Uh, partially because we've got mailbag questions for this week. Partially because just the one show for the week. And partially because we didn't have that show post-Seahawks. Shout out to everybody who just, as far as I can tell, kind of figured out that we just weren't doing a show right immediately after Christmas. I appreciate everybody for just being cool about that. It was really yes. nice. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes, So thank you, everyone, for the, uh, you know, the, the leeway to be able to say, I'm going to soak up a little a little bit of Christmas and, uh, and, and come back around on this Thursday episode. But it does mean that we should talk about that Seahawks game some here. Um, and, and I'll cover myself and Seth in his observations. Sure. Uh, in a second, but because I want to know what you saw from that game that you do think is noteworthy. Because like we're we're multiple days away. Brandon da- Brandon Daly forgot uh, who they had played during pressers oh, today. No. He had to he had to ask and say, "No, who do we play last?" It's been a long week. That's how coaches oh. are living out here. Yep. Daly and Spags just have that. They are just they whatever whatever big binder <laughs> they have on their desk at the end of a game week. The the Monday they walk in afterwards, I think they just drop it out a window and some intern eventually, you know, files it away. Um, but but I want to know what you saw from the Seahawks game that you think is noteworthy or repeatable for the playoffs. Because the Chiefs do still have to take care of business against these two divisional rivals. Mm-hmm. But I mean, we there's nothing we can say about Chiefs Broncos matchup wise that we didn't say when they played like three weeks ago. Hey, cover Jerry Judy this time. Um, that would be my suggestion. Yeah. And, you know, maybe I'm not saying you have to put a spy on Russell Wilson, but like, hey, he he actually chose to scramble that day. We'll see if he yeah. chooses to do that this time, because obviously last time he unfortunately sustained a concussion while scrambling. So um, here's what I'll say about the Seahawks game. Uh, the most encouraging thing was the defense. The idea that they tackled really, really well, particularly the young guys, all the rookies, um, and that they didn't turn the ball over. 
because that's stuff you kind of can control in a postseason game or two or three, um, where obviously you're trying to advance against tougher competition. Um, and the other thing that I think kind of matters is it was somewhat helpful that they played in like below 20 degree temperature because mm. it will at least serve them for a type of game that could or could not occur in Buffalo. Um, it's clear Justin Watson had not had really issues. Um, you know, he had maybe one or, you know, he, he might have one drop, obviously the one in the Texans, most importantly, that jumps out. He had one against India, I believe as well, but like, Hey, cold weather. Pat still throws the ball at a very high rate of miles per hour. Um, so that will serve them, you know, catching the ball in colder weather. That was the first time that the receivers really have been asked to do that all season. And then lastly, Josh is, and I'm writing about this now, just the idea that like, they really do have, um, duality, consistent production, and now interchangeable sort of production from Isaiah Pacheco and Jerk McKinnon. Mm -hmm. Um, it has been proven now. Uh, you want <laughs> I saw this uh, stat earlier uh, from the NFL. Would you like for me to read this stat for you? Because I'm not sure uh, maybe Chiefs fans know this, but it, it yeah. really did jump out to me even as I was like already preparing to write about both running backs. I love it when you read stats. Yeah, absolutely. Jarrett McKinnon, ladies and gentlemen, who, by the way, in year nine, leads all running backs this season with a career-high six touchdown receptions. And has recorded a touchdown reception in each of the past four weeks. With a touchdown catch on Sunday. So I'm assuming the team knows this. Mm -hmm. Jarek McKinnon will become the first running back since 1970 to record a touchdown reception in five consecutive games. That's crazy. That's unbelievable. Would you like a counter stat? I'm yes. going off the top of my head on this one. Uh, because the esteemed Jason Anderson revealed this one on the radio show today. Jarek McKinnon, I believe, is now at five touchdown receptions in the month of December. Yep. I think that all aligns with what you just said. Yep. The last running back to do that, it's too bad Seth's not here, oh, was Jamal no. Charles. <laughs> now, the funny thing about Jamal Charles is that not one, not two, not three, but Four of those came in one game. <laughs> I learned today that in that, I went to the game log of that Chiefs Raiders game, which uh -huh. had five touchdowns, four of them receiving. <laughs> Pretty much on screen passes. <laughs> and, and the leading rusher in that game was Niall Davis. <sighs> yeah, man. it's uh, That is my that's... favorite part of one of the most electric afternoons in Chiefs history was Niall Davis leading the team with nine carries for 34 yards and a touchdown on the ground while Jamal, Jamal Charles had five touchdowns, four receiving. Um, and uh, apparently last last running back to, to hit five receiving touchdowns in a month. So I just Googled, when did Red Zone first start? It was, <laughs> it was 2009. Um, oh, so I can't imagine what that was like on Red oh, I wanna, Zone. <laughs> if someone can find this, is, I've never even considered this before, Nate. This is such a good little rabbit trail. If anybody has archival footage of the Red Zone channel 
from okay i'm gonna go find them i gotta what get week? the date here again <laughs> december something of 2013 uh oh. december 15th 2013 if anybody has the archive red zone footage of that and would like to either just make us a little cut up of all the times they broke in with Jamal Charles, we're not, this is not a repeat, folks. This is not a replay. It's another screen touchdown for Jamal Charles. Do you know how many, I can't believe we're, here's how bored we already are of uh, the Broncos and Raiders, I guess. Do you know how many, turn? we're talking about this game, do you know how many turnovers the Raiders had in that game? Uh, The only thing I really remember from this game was was Jamal. I'm going to say zero. I'm going to go real low. Well, I like how you played the game. And the answer I was looking for was actually just a little higher than that because the number I was looking for was seven. Oh, that's seven turnovers? Matt McGloin threw four picks. Terrell Pryor threw one. Wow. And uh, presumably there was a couple, yeah, of a couple of fumbles. Oh, Matt McGloin had another out of fumble also. So he had five turnovers on a day that Jamal Charles had five touchdowns. <laughs> what gnarly wow. football. Uh, <laughs> Wow, that's a. I mean, that was Nathan Peterman before Nathan Peterman. Wow. Yeah, I might just need to actually have someone just send us the link to this game. I'm sure this is archived somewhere. I just I, it, during this off season, we need to have Seth do like a film review of this entire game. We just need to give him that as a an off season project. We're also, oh god, I'm aging like uh, Scott Calvin after putting on the uh, the Santa costume in a Santa Claus in Santa Claus. <laughs> but next December will be the 10 year anniversary of that game. Mm. That kind of makes you want to barf, but uh, I guess we should keep it moving because I don't have time for next central crisis right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what, uh, what, were, what were your takeaways from the Seahawks game, really quick? Since we, I, yeah, since we know that, like, look, guys, the Broncos gave up fifty-one points to the Rams with Baker Mayfield as their quarterback, who who has been there less than a month. So, yeah. what, were, what were your takeaways from the Seahawks game, Josh? Well, and and the the things that I was taking from that game, I legitimately think like it it. it serves a triple purpose at least because we saw it against Seattle. It needs to be there in the playoffs and we get to see against Denver and against the Raiders these next two weeks, a chance for it to be consistent. Like that's the word that seems to always sort of determine how I'm feeling about pretty much anything on a football field or any player's evaluation is, is the consistency of it. And so with this being said, I on post game right after the game, there are already people like, okay, but it was the Seahawks and I get it. And now that offense has had its moments this year. DK Metcalf still plays there and all of that, but you can't stack multiple good defensive performances without starting with one. And so it is number one, but I felt great about what the defense did and the specific things that were just so evident to the naked eye at the time. I, I felt like is also something that Seth and I can, can share in common, which makes me feel smart. Yeah. Uh, I like it whenever he sees the same things. It usually means I'm not too far upfield. So the the main two things were that the defense, I felt like spent, maybe it's all one thing. The defense spent the game being the aggressor. Mm. And and I, it's probably not fair for Nick Bolton to be the, the the bad example in my head on this one, but it's because you expect better of him in this specific spot. There were so many times it felt like against the Texans and the last Broncos game and a few times this year where he's like been in the hole and the running back's been headed his direction and he has planted his feet and opened up his arms and then the running back hits him and he wraps him up and they fall backwards and that's the tackle. When what I when when Nick Bolton is making a highlight reel for himself 
he is either meeting the back at the line of scrimmage in that hole or maybe beating him to the spot entirely. Mm. And I I just feel like the defense in, in the sort of aggressiveness mindset or whatever has spent a lot of this season kind of being reactionary, playing on its heels a little bit. And against the Seahawks, it felt like they were hunting. And to see that from a Chiefs defense, it's just been a long time. And so Seth, he's, he's got the film review on this one up in the newsletter. Busy week for him, so uh, that's why he's not with us here. And, and we'll see how much he ends up doing before, you know, around all this this week and, and, week and next week, I guess. But um, he, he had three bullet points from the defense of getting after the quarterback with consistency, which is obviously huge, um, swarming to the football and finishing strong on tackles and playing physical football. And those last two in particular, the, getting to the quarterback is a huge deal, and we'll just see if that's repeatable. But the idea of, and man, Joshua Williams and Javen Watson and Trent McDuffie. Jarius Sneed's always been great at this, but Brian Cook, four rookie defensive backs, every yeah. single one of them mm-hmm. made a play and not a play on the ball, a play with their shoulders. Like, and I, and, and this is a, a good problem. I can't even remember if it was Watson or Williams on a couple of the plays that I'm envisioning now, but I, in real time, I went, well, he got one here and he got one over here where even when he wasn't able to make the tackle one-on-one on a screen or something, I can just dump off into the flat or a screen. But one of those one of those rookie uh, DBs, not McDuffie, it was either Watson or Williams, got out into space, moved upfield towards the ball carrier, and just kind of got big, for lack of a better word, and, <laughs> and you know spread the arms out, make the contact, and then the rest of the team was shortly behind him. I've been dying to see some of that from this defense, and I saw it for pretty much the entirety of those sixty minutes. So yeah. I I was left right. remarkably encouraged by by the defense specifically the young guys, specifically the physicality and the aggressive spirit of it, as opposed to waiting for things to come to them. They were going and getting the ball yes. and getting the ball carrier. Yeah, I, that was I was just about to say that it was a lot of see ball, go get ball, man. Yeah, like, don't don't wait around. Um, no, that's a that's a perfect way of describing it because they got a lead. And this is, I think, what you want to probably see. I mean, I guess it's the least nail biting like heart palpitating version of all of this yeah, but like yeah. if you're a fan you you want the team to get a lead and to make the other side a little bit more one-dimensional and for the mm-hmm. defense to see ball go get ball um and and you just sort of take the advantage and don't don't give momentum back which is something Mahomes talked about both post game and Wednesday but yeah the defense the defense that's the most energy they've probably shown in a while. I don't know. Um, I, I couldn't think game. of a good time to stop that, like, rolling back. I. It's been a long time. It's been a, it's been a while. Um, so, yeah, they just need to they just need to continue that on Sunday. Um, and it, it taking 16, 17 weeks for all of these rookies to feel comfortable being the aggressor makes total sense. That that's one reason that I, I'm actually kind of bullish on it being sustainable. Right. Because why why would they regress in that regard? And and as I look at the schedule here, the last time they probably had a performance similar uh was November seventeenth against the Los Angeles Raiders. The parentheses slash asterisk slash whatever part of that equation is Bryce Perkins. Yeah. Um, whereas this one was Geno Smith, a true Pro Bowl caliber quarterback. Um, now, he didn't have one of his weapons in mm-hmm. um, Tyler Lockett, but, you know, DK Metcalf was on the field, and we should probably 
I'll also say too that this was the first time Ladarius Sneed completed an yes. entire game, you know, shadowing a receiver. It was interesting today that uh, I think this was Steve Spinola basically said, "Well, they don't motion or move him around a much yep. not, um, around a lot, whether it's slot or outside. It basically just light man, just line up and be the X." <laughs> Yep. Um, and so that made it easier to just keep Snead there and then everything else sort of fall into place on the coverage side. Um, so as I think about it, Stefan Diggs kind of Stefan Diggs does motion and run from multiple positions, just projecting ahead. Uh, we know where Jamar Chase going to be. Yep. He outside. So just, just putting that out there. The Chiefs have put on tape that, hey, if you just line up your receiver where he is, Jarius Need is the guy who might be the one shadowing him. Um, if they put him in motion, and mostly what they've been showing all year. Yeah, I wanted to talk about that specifically. We got a couple of questions on that one. I felt like that was a, a worthy, like, uh, standalone yeah. topic. Because I, I thought I thought it was really interesting from Spags to specifically note that, that they just didn't move DK around very much. And this has come up now multiple occasions, but they felt like they could do that because there was no number two option with, with Tyler Lockett being out. So I am fascinated. And, and Stefan Diggs is absolutely the one that I'm, I'm circling because I, I would like to just trust Legereus Sneed in that role. Um, Cause I don't, I'm not like that afraid of the rest of the receiving core. And, and since he's a different animal, but eventually you got to have all the guys covering all the guys. So that, that part, I think, is uh, a little bit, can be a little bit curious. But we also, again, hearing from Spags and hearing from Dave Merritt and having this be the conversation the last couple of days, there's also been some kind of interesting stuff about thinking about how that affects the rest of the defense. If you are moving the shadowed receiver around, mm-hmm. now they are impacting what you're being able to do schematically as a yes. defense. Yes. And you don't want, one of the reasons that, that Legereus Sneed is so valuable kicking into the slot is because not every play is a passing play. Or sometimes you want him blitzing off that spot, which he's not going to do if he's outside covering the X. Correct. So I I know we've had a lot of people wondering, why not just do this all the time? I've thought about that myself a lot. But I do think it makes sense when you think about the sort of queen chess piece that Legereus Sneed can be for a a Spags defense. How do you think that they're going to balance that? What what else did we learn today about how that might work going forward? Yeah, well, one of the fascinating I guess answers that Dave Merritt, the secondary coach said today was like, well, yeah, um, we're going to continue to rotate Jalen Watson and Joshua Williams as the third cornerback to Trent McDuffie and LeJarrius Sneed. Now, I don't know if that's, you know, we're going to do that until the, you know, until the regular season ends and then we're going to pick a guy. Um, or if they even feel like that wrinkle forces the opponent, whoever it is for the wild card or the division around to say, well, you've got to account for who's the other cornerback in nickel packages. Of course, in dime, then obviously both you know players could be on the field. Um, but yeah, it's it's a fascinating decision because the Jerry Sneed told me after the game, Josh, that mm-hmm. it would be Mike Williams if the Chiefs play the Chargers because mm. that was their plan for the rematch. Uh, in November in Los Angeles. And then Mike Williams, unfortunately re-aggravated his ankle injury in like the first quarter. So they went back to just, all right, normal game plan in terms of the back end. 
So we have a tendency now. Um, if it's the Chargers, it's Mike Williams. If it's the Seahawks, without Tyler Lockett, it's DK Metcalf. Josh, how 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 do how do how them receivers looking? They they some big dudes. <laughs> which yeah, means which is means that per- is that yeah? Go ahead, you tell me what it means. Which means. Think We're so? Double you team the of- living hell out of Jamar Chase and pray that Legarius Sneak can hold up against T. Higgins. Because mm. that did not work with Joshua Williams, who was obviously of less experience when they were on the outside, pretty much the game ender was the Bengals finding a formation that would give them Joshua Williams on T. Higgins, and then the game was yeah. over. Now, was Joshua Williams in the picture? He was in the dude's hit. Mm-hmm. But Joe Burrow was so accurate that maybe jamming him at the line of scrimmage, um, maybe giving him different looks on his releases, which is something Dave Merritt also mentioned uh, from Legereus Need matching up against DK Metcalf. Maybe that can be another wrinkle, another change in a rematch if they get the Bengals. So as of right now, Legereus Need is like, you know, I think T. Higgins specific, Mike Williams specific. As I look at some of the other teams, I don't know if that would be more Gabe Davis with the Bills, but there's a we're starting to see a profile that they tend to like, um, yeah. and I think it just adds more complexion to what they can do on defense. And Merritt mentioning this on the Watson Williams side, also like I just don't think about very often matchups matter, and and that's I mean you you just laid out the ways that that can change from team to team. I just don't think about that very often with corners uh, because you just sort of think you got to roll those guys out there, but they will have matchups they favor with all of these teams and with their guys. They're more familiar with these rookies now being in the system for a while. And I don't know. I, I hope this comes through. I'm a little excited about the Chiefs defense. Like not, I'm not, I don't think it's why they're going to win the Super Bowl. I don't <laughs> think it's the best defense in football, but I'm just, I'm encouraged by the performance, the attitude against the Seahawks, the mindset of, being willing to th- throw something different out there and um, let Snead follow DK. I just, I, I am, I'm very, very interested to see where it goes and at least a little excited. I'm going to stick to my guns for the most part. Uh, you want to get into the, uh, into the questions? Yes, sir. Let's do it. This will cover most of the, most of the stuff that I think kind of remaining on the table. And uh, well, we're going to start with a nice, easy one for you, Nate. Definitely one that's not going to immediately enrage um, you know, hundreds, <laughs> if not thousands of listeners from Zach Eisen. Why does Justin Watson play so many snaps? Thanks. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes. And then I don't know if this will be uh, connected or not, but uh, Brett Parker responding with, and what does Sky Moore have to do to get some targets? Andy Reid said he was uh, happy with the progress Sky Moore has been making. Uh, that's uh, heard that one a couple of times now, I think, but he said it uh-huh. again on uh, Monday, I think. Uh-huh. Wednesday. Doesn't matter. Uh, who asked the first one again? Uh, Zach, Zach, Isaac. Zach. Okay, Zach. Um, you want to know why? Yeah, I do too. Is Justin Watson always open? That's why he's on the field. Now I understand what you have to do once you're open. There's a really important second part. <laughs> <laughs> but Justin Watson be open, man. Uh. Because he is a veteran, because he is, he's just reliable. Um, 
And this coaching staff, despite having 10 rookies <laughs> who they drafted on the active roster, despite having an 11th and Jack Cochran, who is obviously a, a special teams contributor. <sighs> Justin Watson gets open, guys. And, and so... We would be not obviously this question would not come up if Justin Watson A didn't drop three balls against the Seahawks and B mm-hmm. caught probably the best pass Mahomes has attempted all year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now hey. Um, that's how these questions make it to the front of people's minds. Yeah. It's usually a moment yeah. like that one. And I I get it. I yeah. do. He's he's always open. And a lot of times it is one on one matchups that they can sort of dictate or manipulate. Um, and he's got long speed. Um, I don't know. I'd have to look at the yard uh, advanced stats. But in terms of deep routes, from the eye test memory bank, he's just as open as MVS. Yeah, well, and so is, it seems like this is also a little bit anecdotal. But at least for a while, his snap count was going up. And MVS's snap count was going down. This is a question sent in from Josh Briscoe at JB Briscoe on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> is, is that correlated? Because, you know, Brett's question about Sky Moore also. I know people want Sky Moore to get more snaps. I I mean, so does so does Seth and so do is I. It, and is it January? So do you. Is it mid-January? Is it, is Not it quite, January? but we're it's getting Dude, pretty close. Asking. <laughs> okay, so stop <laughs> asking about Sky Moore. Is there a relationship with, with MVS and Watson that, that you think is noteworthy? Or is that just coincidental and snap counts? No, I think there is. Um, I think the Chiefs have done a really good job disguising that, like, hey, we have Juju on the field and Travis on the field. And, you know, sometimes Marquez, sometimes it's, you know, Jerick McKinnon and Justin Watson. (laughs) (laughs) And every time the defense is like, gosh, dang it, why is he running behind us? Now it helps to have Mahomes' escapability, his scrambling ability. Um, Justin Watson is also valuable on special teams, so you have to keep that in mind too. But I get the sense that, like, they're not – I know people hate this. I know they hate it, but they're not – they're just not revealing any parts of their hands, guys. Like, Yeah, that's, why, that's an why, answer. That's why, an answer. Why would – like – I know for fantasy purposes, you might be like, why does Marquez Valdez-Scantlin have zero catches for zero yards against the Seahawks? But they honestly were like, we don't need to throw deep against the Seahawks all but like they did it once to Justin Watson. And they were like, see, we did it. We can do it. We're <laughs> never doing it again this game because it's 20 degrees outside. Um, now that may change, obviously, against a higher caliber opponent like the Bengals. And the Bengals were like, we're blitzing you. We don't give a bleep. And Pat was like, cool, because MVS is running nine routes. They basically need MVS running nine routes against the Bengals, the Chargers, the Bills. But against the Seahawks, against the Broncos, like, eh, 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 why would we show you that? Also, can I tell you a secret, Josh? Yes. It's not really a secret. It's on tape. Okay. And this is where Sky Moore it's a little bit of a knock because long speed translates to MVS translates to Justin Watson, which is an option that the defense has to account for, man. If you just watch some of these Travis Kelsey highlights, there is always someone in front of him. 
And that person is Marquez Valdez Scantlin. Because hmm. the safety's like, hell no. Why is Travis Kelsey running wide open? Uh, they did it on back-to-back plays against the Seahawks to essentially end the game, and it was hilarious. Because the, the the linebacker's like, I can't cover him 18 yards downfield. You and I both know this. And the safety's like, hey man, you want me to you want him you want me to let him throw it over my head? Right, right. To MVS? Yeah. So that is some of MVS's best plays this season. It's just, hey man, run deep. Cause Kelsey's right. Hey, go freak out the safety. Yep. Cause cause right. guess guess who's wide open. <laughs> just, I, the, I, just, just the league's best tight end. So his yards are not what people expected. And that's okay. There's been times where he's dropped passes too. Um, but man, is that skill set still explosive because it does give Kelsey similar looks that he had when Tyreek Hill was on the field too. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, I'm going to go not quite to rapid fire mode, but to to a uh, little bit of a speed round here because there's a, a bunch of good ones um, from uh, at unibrow underscore wipes. I just love to give credit <laughs> to a good username. Chances of Eric Bien-Me landing a head coaching job this offseason. He's gotten a couple of questions about want it. To... Andy Reid has. He doesn't want to talk about it. There's been a little I'm report done. here and there. I'm done with these people. Oh, great question. Glad you asked. <sighs> now, look, they changed it this year. To where, like, we have a little bit more time to do the interview process. Like, you don't have to, like, just go hire a random white guy in, on January 3rd. <laughs> <laughs> now you can hire a random white guy on January 17th. Um, 
I don't mean random. I mean, obviously, obviously I'm making a joke. Nathaniel but, Hackett was a random white guy. Let's be honest. He was a random white guy who had stood next to Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> okay. I know that's also not true, but it's too enjoyable not to... to, 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 to I'm counting take it. A, take a deep drive to left field. That's um, right. Yes. <laughs> Make it a two-one ball game. Now, I think there are more attractive candidates who are a little bit more sexy because <laughs> they haven't been to the bar before. <laughs> um, you know. You see the same people. person at the bar for like three or four straight years and it's sort of like, ah, why? Yeah, I mean, why like, are you still here? I thought somebody was going to get you out of here by now. I mean, but that D'Amico Ryan's looking real good right now. <laughs> oh, he just got here. Oh. <laughs> I think there are more attractive candidates. Look, I think Leslie Frazier should probably get a head coaching job. I don't know if people are going to, like, do that, but, like, whatevs. Um, look, man, Sean Payton don't even have to show his cleavage because he's Sean Payton. <laughs> okay? I just walk in with a turtleneck. I Sean, Payton is wearing, uh, Sean Payton's wearing a <laughs> Snuggie. Like, he is just, he is there for to relax, and he knows. He's right. Sean Bleepin' Payton. Right. So, like, that's a monkey wrench that pretty much hasn't been there in the past with the Eric Enemy hiring cycle. Um, and also, like, Dan Quinn probably deserves a chance because um, it's becoming apparent that, like, he's doing a lot outside of Michael Parsons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, look, I'm naming guys that I've, heard that i'm sure you've heard by now i don't know if airbnb is like super duper sexy at this point um we don't know how many jobs are going to be open too i'm projecting probably six to seven um which i think one year there was like nine with the enemy which made it even more i think embarrassing for the league but yeah i don't if if someone offers and i know someone asked this on on twitter too like if 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 the the Broncos probably aren't going to do this, guys. Uh, but if the Broncos offered Eric Benemy the job, would he take it? And the answer is, of course. Yes. Like, if anybody offers him a job, he pretty much has to take it. Yep. Um, because it will be his first chance to be an NFL head coach, and it will also be the first owner willing to give him that opportunity. Um, but, like, I, I'm just not sure it's going to happen just because um, I listed six other quali- five or six other qualified candidates, and there might only be five or six um jobs open this year so you know um did you know who mike mcdaniel was last year josh i i think i had seen a couple of like clips of him being weird at press conferences but that that would have been about yeah i I was i was aware of him he was like a year early on his ascension to be a head coach that seems fair but there's all but there's always one of those guys sort of sprinkled around um i'm not sure who that's going to quite yet Mike Kafka is going to be a head coach before Eric Bieniemy, and that's not even a joke anymore like I just thought about that one as because I saw a tweet thread about Kafka he would today. Also, yes he would also be a year earlier yep, on his sort of trajectory maybe two um but yes. based on his contract too and uh, um you know Lou Amaruno yep to have I never get this man's name no right. you didn't oh Lou oh we called him Olu like three years ago and since then he's only <laughs> haunted the Chiefs so. Right. Oh, Lou. Oh, Lou. Hey, man. Um, they ain't gonna have no blue chips on these teams that they hiring. Guess who working with all the red chips? Lou. Time so, for Lou to push so them all like, in. So Lou, if he wants to do it, you know that, that that's one of the questions sort of centering around him is like, does he want to be a head coach? Um, then yeah, then he could also be a candidate too. So I'm not sure. Uh, we talked about the traveling corners a little bit. 
kind of a, a combo here from Alligator Al and uh, Jetty Rat RB. Asking about, uh, Al says, how can the Chiefs and perhaps Andy specifically address the issue or perception that they often show up, quote unquote, not ready? Um, and then Jetty says, you know, the grind of, mentions the grind of four years in a row of them playing for the one seed. How do they balance the survive and advance without checking out and losing a game that they should win? Right. And, and those are just interesting. I mean, th- that, those might be questions that only like experienced NFL head coaches could answer. But I, I am interested what you've seen from this team is it's not just this year, but over those last four years, all fighting for the one seed late at the late in the year. Yeah, it's the season's a grind. The season is entirely too long. Oh, mm-hmm. we know who the good teams. Nobody are. hits me. And I think the season's too long. <laughs> exactly. So it's a little bit of that. And it's the idea that Clark Hunt, I mean, just told everybody like not a secret, but just told everybody like gave credence to something that people have said, um, even players that just everybody gets up for the Chiefs, man. Like, you know, since Mahomes' arrival, um, everybody, when the Chiefs are on their schedule, wants to do well and play their best and show, you know, interesting stuff on film. Um, so I do think it's a little bit of the competition rising when it's not, you know, a backup quarterback in the mix or, you know, being forced to start. Um, but yeah, man, like, the Chiefs have an ability to embarrass you at times. So there's that kind of fear factor of like everybody's pretty much focused when they play the Chiefs. Um, the schedule is always hard because they always win the division, which means you always play the other division winners um, in your schedule. So that has a, you know an interesting layer too. And look, you know, even though the division is not as good as we thought it was going to be, like the Raiders have obviously beat the Chiefs at Arrowhead. Um, the Chargers have, you know, split, you know, uh, a season series with the Chiefs before, um, and those games are usually pretty close, especially since Herbert's been around. So, I mean, they they just want to get to the postseason healthy, guys. Like, I think if you gave Andy Reid truth serum and said, hey, you could be the one seed, but, like, two dudes got to go down, or you could be the two seed and, like, everybody's healthy, mm-hmm. he'd probably take everybody healthy. I, there's a question also from Jesse Becker that I think is interesting just about like the difference between what, what this team would look like without Mahomes, even if you make it, you know, the best Alex Smith version or, or whatever that may be. And I, I just I think they're all kind of entwined there. We've And we've talked over the last couple of weeks about um, this kind of feeling like a pretty average roster around the world's best quarterback. I don't I don't put words in your mouth. But that's kind of where I end up. And you can win a Super Bowl with an average roster and the world's best quarterback because of the second half of that. You need to have no gaping holes in your team. But it it is frustrating for it to feel like they're not always at peak potential because they're not because doing that all the time is impossible. But it's also frustrating right. because you know what they can be when they're at their best. And it's a lot more fun than stressing out an overtime win over the Texans. And also... They lost twenty to seventeen to the Colts. Yeah, that game's gonna stink for a while. Twenty-four to twenty to the Bills and twenty-seven to twenty-four to the Bengals. Yeah, no one has beaten them by a margin bigger than you know four points. Yeah. Even with all that said, even with all like sometimes I have to remind myself, even with all these rookies, everything else that's going on. Obviously, the competition in the AFC being stronger than in the NFC. They've only lost three games and they've all had a chance to win all three. Yeah. So, uh, the Chiefs haven't been outclassed in a game since in a 2017. While. Yeah, yeah, in I a mean. while. Um, so 
without Mahomes, I mean, then it gets to a question of like, okay, is it Alex Smith sure. in like a, in a prime year? Is it somebody else? Is it Mike White? Oh, <laughs> is it Derek Carr? <laughs> no, not Derek Carr. I want to. I want to get to like we just don't know the answer, which is Mike White. <laughs> no, you're right. That's that's absolutely that he is he is the purgatory. So if, so if if Mike White had Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy in this collection of talent, dog, they might be ten and seven if the if they don't turn the ball over. The issue is yeah. this team turns the ball over too much. Um, but Mahomes is so great; it almost doesn't matter until you play actually high caliber playoff teams. Here's my last question for us for today, and I, I've been able to give this a little thought. I didn't warn you about this one ahead of time from Peter Yadrich. In a world in which all weapons, conventional and firearm, are non-existent, gladiatorial combat is decided by picking up and throwing regular objects at one another until one relents, <laughs> basically dodgeball. What everyday item do you give Patrick Mahomes that makes him unbeatable? He adds, don't cop out and choose a kitchen knife or scissors. Live a little. <laughs> So not a not a conventional weapon, just something. A a household item that when given to Patrick Mahomes would make him the greatest gladiatorial combatant to ever throwing, live. Throwing from distance. I the I'll, I the mean, only thing I've been able to think of, even with some extra time to ruminate on it, that I liked, first of all, I think he could kill me with a football if he tried. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> I do I think three or four throws, eventually one of those is gonna, you know hit your yeah. temple or something in its ball game. But if, you know if we just gave Patrick Mahomes just like a set of dumbbells, Ooh. that wouldn't take very long. It would not be a fun way to go. But Peter asked the question. What were you going to say? What's your, what's your best answer? Uh, 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 cast iron skillet. <laughs> oh, that's great. No, I like that a lot better because he could do a lot more like funky spin things with that. I think yep. the arm yep. angles, you know, that, you can was... frisbee it. That was what came into my mind is like what kitchen item? Yeah, because he like he's not gonna throw like I don't know like a whatever you know that also is around the house. like if we just gave him lamps he'd go far in the tournament. Absolutely, uh, absolutely, no uh, question. But like you know if we gave him in tables like uh, okay that's a little bit of work but like something that can be in his hands that he can just launch. He's got like yeah. a like a shooting rack full of cast iron skillets. <laughs> Instead of basketballs, there's a bunch of... Yeah, that I think that's a great answer. Backhand frisbee throw, front hand whip it, over the top throw it like a throwing axe. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that would be that would be instant destruction. I, uh, oh man. I, I don't have anything better than that. I, he, he, could, he could hold on to it in a melee situation, still doing good work. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. I will accept uh, other nominees if anyone wants to uh, send those in. Just uh, tweet them at us at JB Briscoe at by Nate Taylor. It will be very, very funny for both of us, I imagine, to uh, t- to just get tweets like a stand mixer, and and that will uh, <laughs> not apply to any other context in our lives. <laughs> oh man, um, I love that. Uh, I guess this person is Joe <laughs> said, which it's a bit too early, but we should definitely save this for I don't know, like late February. Uh, the list off the cheese free agents to see what Nate's thoughts are on whether or not he thinks that Kansas City resides them. I can only respond in uh, in, in noises that we got to say that yes. for like yes. post combine trip. Please when, when things when things are really swirling. Please tweet that back in. Yeah, when there are no more games being played and uh, 
but we're not quite to like new players moving to new places yet. That yes, that would yes. be the way to do it. Yeah, I need um, to see the whole season in context before I before I can start giving off noises for answers. But just wonderful job, Joe. Incredible. Uh, with that being said, uh, that's it for the show. I think the Chiefs will beat the Broncos. I'm going to say uh, 27 to 13. I don't know why. I think that's a 14 and a half point line or 13 and a half point line right now. I'm not touching this with somebody else's money, but I think the Chiefs win this game because the Broncos are a bleeping mess. <sighs> um, the weather's going to be nicer, so that that should help. Um, Just you psychologically. Yeah, for sure. I'll say Chiefs 31, Broncos 20. Um, I don't even know what the line is. I yeah, it's close. it's something like two touchdowns. It's it's right around it's 13 and a half, 14, Ooh. something like that. Yikes. Um, that's a lot to cover. I'll say, yeah, I'll say 31, 20. Um, you know, but the important thing is, you know, continuing to have encouraging progress and um man just <sighs> Josh Allen in a must win game on Monday night. Oh that's the, we could have done this whole show up. We should this show would should have been about the Broncos, Raiders, Bills and Bengals. That's that's what this game is really about for me in my in my spirit. I know um, ESPN is not going to bill it as such, but it's Josh Allen in a must-win game yep. on the road in on Monday Night Football. That's that's where we are. Um, can this be as good as Chiefs-Rams from 2018? I don't know, but these these matchups only come along ever so often. So uh, eager, to, eager to see that one from start to finish. I'm also seeing 12 and a half now for Chiefs-Broncos. Again, I'm, hey! not, I'm not, interested in, not interested in touching that one, so... Okay. Um, yeah, we sh- I guess we'll probably do the show on Monday, but a little part of me thinks we might need to see if we can scoot things around to do it after we know how that game goes, because it's really impactful. We, I don't know. We'll figure that out. Appreciate yeah, we'll talk. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll definitely talk about it. Obviously, we need to see what Monday's, or excuse me, Sunday's result is. Yeah, that's but true. Yeah, if the Chiefs lose to the Broncos, we'll do a show. <laughs> we'll do our show at our regularly scheduled time and get this thing turned around. And, and, and crazily, if the Chiefs win Sunday. Follow all of us on our things and read everybody's stuff. This is the end of the show. You got it, Nate. And the Bills lose on the Chiefs win Sunday and the Bills lose Monday, which would give the Chiefs control of their own destiny, yes. which I, I I used to tell myself that before every date night with Holly. You know what, Nate? <laughs> you just focus on the thing. Um, you just focus on the controllables. You control your own destiny with this woman. Um, so uh, if that happens, then. The Chiefs may play Saturday against the Las Vegas Raiders because they will then have a domino effect on the rest of the AFC on Sunday. Um, so keep that in mind. But uh, yeah, we're we're finally in some winter go home scenarios, and the Chiefs have a chance to uh, Chiefs have a chance to put quite a bit of pressure on the Bills because it was earlier this year. Where the Chiefs went to Cincinnati, knowing that if they had dropped that game, the Bills would obviously be in prime position. So um, it'll be interesting to see what it's like when the roles are reversed in this capacity. Um, but yeah, other than that, get that sparkling Welch's champagne and uh, enjoy 
you know, safely New Year's Day. Happy New Year to you from all of us at Times Are. And, um, you know, I, I, I just, I can't wait for Seth to realize that um, he missed the chance to talk about Jamal Charles. It's... It's uh, it's unfortunate, but but he'll have more times in the new year <laughs> to do stuff, uh, to do such. So yeah, I mean, you know, Chiefs Broncos win and I go guess, home. That's that's I, my goal. I guess I, I guess it'll. I mean, this will be fifteen in a row. Is that, is that right? All right? At this point, it's it's not even worth counting. Wow, wow. Well, you know. Um, Have a happy new year, everybody.